electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. starts right now. Live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Brian Kelly, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Boeing is the best performing stock this year. The CEO just told Jim Cramer how he is going to keep the momentum going. Jim will be here live in just moments to tell us what he said. Plus, it's Bitcoin mania today. The cryptocurrency has become a trading parody of crack-busting through $18,000 ahead of the futures launch this weekend, then back to 16000 By the time I finish the sentence, it could very well be at 20000 So here on Fast, we know you love Bitcoin. So to make it easier for you, you can check out the bottom left of your screen. We'll be on Bitcoin Watch via Coinbase uh, after the entire hour. Just like a hurricane, you can watch it go up and down and not miss a second of this show. And if that's not enough for you, one of the largest online brokerage firms, Interactive Brokers, will be on the front lines as Bitcoin makes its debut on uh, Wall Street, Bitcoin Futures. The CEO will join us later. But first, we start off with the drama in D.C. raging on as the House just voted to avoid a shutdown this week. Still, the question looms over the future of the tax bill. Eamon Javers has those details for us, plus a new development on infrastructure. Eamon. Yeah, that's right, Melissa. That final vote was 235 to 193 in the House of Representatives. That means that continuing resolution, which simply kicks the can down the road for two weeks and avoiding government shutdown, still has to pass the United States Senate. Every expectation is that it will pass. That's because we got some positive imagery here at the White House today in terms of the congressional leadership, bipartisan congressional leadership, coming here to the White House to meet with the president. Uh, we are told uh, that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, along with the Republican leader, Leaders, uh, started out this meeting in the Oval Office, as you see there in your pictures with the president and the vice president. Everybody's saying that they want to get to a spending deal before the end of the year. They also took a detour downstairs to the Situation Room at the White House, uh, where we are told they were given a briefing by Defense Secretary Mattis on the U.S. military situation uh, in South Korea and the military posture in North Korea. So that's something potentially uh, to keep an eye on as well. And we are also told uh, that the White House is planning ahead for the beginning of next year, assuming they can get past this funding bill here uh, by the end of this year. In January, they'd like to release some of the details of their infrastructure plan. The thinking is it will be about $200 billion in government spending. And the idea is that that will spur on about $800 billion in state, local, and private infrastructure spending as well. They want to incentivize as much of that as they can from here at the White House. So we should get those details coming up in January. And as you know, Melissa, they are still working on the tax bill. That has been much less visible over the past 24 hours. They are in conference committee now. Uh, we haven't seen much in the way of the negotiations, also, although some of the folks on the, hills, on the House side of the Hill uh, floated the idea of a 22% corporate tax rate. That might give them some of the revenue they need. All of that will have to be hashed out. Those conversations going on privately now. We're still waiting for the date of the first public meeting of the conference committee on the tax bill. So a lot of stuff moving here in Washington tonight, Melissa. Yeah, thanks for staying on top of it, Eamon Javers in D.C. And despite the drama, Wall Street couldn't be more in love with Washington right now. You might even call it stock paradise. 
Wow, Eddie Money. That's right. The Dow's like 70 points. Stocks near record highs is not even the turmoil on Capitol Hill can derail this rally. But wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh. You know what? Oh. It's more than stock paradise. It's more like stock heaven, the place where money is made every second. You've got a strong economy, tax cuts, which could be just days away from passing, and now potentially a big, fat infrastructure bill the White House says is coming in January. So can this euphoria really last for eternity? Guy. Eternity's a long time there, though. I went to school. It's a bad cologne, too, Guy. Yeah. It's a bad cologne as well. Good point this, by you. I never understood why there was a G in a cologne, but... I digress. You know what the giveaway I think yesterday was, and we talked about it, the fact that the VIX was lower yesterday, the VIX down another 6.5% today. If I were an elected official, I would have tried to bolt this infrastructure plan on top of this tax bill. I think that would have made things a little bit easier, but that's me. But what did it do to the market today? I think, for me, the most interesting thing, despite this nirvana that we talk about, is the fact that the bond market about 1 o'clock sold off in a pretty meaningful way. And for the first time in a while, maybe you're starting to see a break and maybe things are starting to make sense to some economists out there. So for me... The sell-off in the bonds was what really led the day. That sell-off coincided with this talk exactly. that there would be this yeah. infrastructure plan next exactly. year. So the economy, could it actually be it heating up actually, here? Maybe it could, right? I mean, we've had decent economic numbers here. So now you add on some kind of tax cuts, and you can argue about how good they're going to be, but they're going to have some kind of an impact. You have an infrastructure impact, and you probably shouldn't have 10-year yields at 230. So again, this all seems really rosy. The one thing that I will say, the most important chart to equity investors to stock market investors is the bond market chart. Is that 10-year chart we're showing there? Because as that approaches 3%, you get reallocation out of the stock market into the bond market, and that's a headwind. We're not there yet, but that's something to keep in mind for 2018. I don't get this infrastructure thing now, actually. I mean, they're very close to the finish line on tax, and I think they should get... I, I think infrastructure makes it more difficult to even be focusing in that in any way while they're trying to get this done, I mean, that's going to be a very inflationary thing, potentially, right? They're worried about the budget. I don't, uh, to me, I don't get it. I don't get why to do well, that. Why not strike while the fire's hot? These guys, is these, it hot? Again, the, I think the gang that couldn't fly straight has been flying straight. Let them get to the finish line on one race. One race before they declare victory and go for another giant pack. I totally get it, although we've been talking all over the map the entire time. We were talking about taxes when we weren't even done with health care, and I think that's the way this, this team right. moves. I don't think there's going to be any... And that doesn't bode well for taxes. Well, look, you bring up a great point, and, and by the way, I don't think you're going to see any infrastructure in blue states based upon the way this tax bill is structured, because I don't think there's going to be any room. Um, what I think is genius, by the way, and no one asked me for my view on this, is, but I mean... What's you your know, view, Tim? The, the negotiating <laughs> stance on this tax bill is really extraordinary. If, in fact, you back off at a 22% corporate tax and you actually throw something back on salt to the blue states, mm -hmm. it really looks like everybody won. And, and I yeah. think that's where we're going to get to. I certainly believe you need to give something for everybody here. But for the market, look at transports. We were back really at the, the highs again. Mm -hmm. Everyone that was, that was clamoring, boy, there's something weird that's going on. You know, really, we just went so far so fast. We got some news. Uh, and frankly, like everybody here, uh, I think the bond market is worth watching right now. Yeah, and, and also, you know, it is worth noting, too, that intraday, we also saw a pop in a lot of material names out there. Martin, Martin Marietta, Vulcan Materials, we also we saw them right. go up. The old right. the, the old trade, school, right? right? The old school materials that you're going to build stuff with, right. not necessarily your kind of commodities. I mean, look, at we, we talked about copper, what happened with that this week. So it's more of the infrastructure plays that happened there. So we're in a period here from now to the end of the year where you're going to have very few people who probably want to sell. They may want to lock in some gains, but it's going to be pretty 
hard to get any kind of sell-off in this particular thing unless the bond market really takes off, which is likely not going to do. So the rest of this is a 2018 event. So you are saying it's stock heaven? Yeah, I mean, why, why do you, have, what, what could, why you say that people won't be selling here? Because if but anything, can, that, that was the theme of, of, of this week or certainly late last week, Brian. Well, I'm saying they're, they're, they may lock in some, but you, people aren't going to be making major portfolio moves when you have tax reform and an infrastructure bill potentially coming in 2018. Now, you can be disappointed come January, but this, at the very least, I think, in my view, keeps people somewhat I, as bullish about this market. Well, for very wealthy investors in, in, you know, in California, New York, some of the other high-tax states, actually, taxes are going up, uh, yeah. right? Not down. So... That would, to me, say, all right, if you're going to sell, you got to think about selling now. Hmm. It's a significant difference next year. You know what I think is fascinating? I mean, can I just I, I digress first, as, I, as, as my as want we're to, do. Known to do. But yes. we take a, a full shot, which we could go back to that full shot. Uh, I love the Bitcoin bug or watch we have. It yes. almost blocks Tim out of the picture. <laughs> I mean, if we were just to move that just a oh, tad. Yeah, yeah. Bye, Tim. Then right. it's buy Tim, hello, Bitcoin. There it is. Oh, there wow. it goes. There it is. Bye, yeah. Tim. Wow. We're going to have a Bitcoin. Tim coin. We're going to have Tim in the corner. Tim, so, how about yeah. we just do a, a Tim coin? Tim watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I could disappear. And, and, and no, we don't no, want that. No, we don't that. want that. Never say that. I would never want that. Oh, it's all right. Do you invest in infrastructure now? I don't think, listen, we're I think We're in a market this... that's levitating. We're in stock heaven. We're going to levitate through the end of the year because of seasonality, because of the promise of tax and now infrastructure. Right. If you want to invest in infrastructure, the infrastructure is now the I time. I think he's, he, the president, is trying to get this infrastructure thing somewhere around State of the Union. So I think we're getting it, I think we're getting a wee bit ahead of ourselves. I'd like to see some, some details on this instead of just, you know, floating out the platitudes that we typically discuss. So the short answer is no. The Freeport-McMoran, which you brought up, I thought was really interesting. Copper got sort of blitzkrieg yesterday. FCX, I think, closed up on the day yesterday. That, in our, in our business, is something you call what, BK? A reversal day? No, it's uh -oh. called a tell. Uh -oh. I wish I, I should have. I, yeah, I, when, before you know, yeah. ask a question, you should know the part. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's a tell. It's a tell. It's a tell. Yeah. Tim Kramer's going to be on later. He talks about Tut's trade school. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. What did you do today? Well, I, I didn't do anything today, although the last couple of days I've been nibbling back at emerging markets, which are sold off almost 7% and have really underperformed the S&P. And, and if you get through some of this noise, um, I do think that ultimately this global story still is very much alive. So a lot of this has been a range trade. Uh, took a little profits in Macy's, took a little profit in U.S. Steel, although I think that's going higher. And, and I think you know, largely the infrastructure trade is just extending what has been a reflation trade. I think it's a very very good trade. And I think ultimately materials names have, have, have lagged, but I think you go back to industrial metals, which have a very good runway ahead of them. Karen, what did you do today? I didn't do a lot. I have been buying recently TBT, which, uh, you know, hasn't been working until one later to today. one o'clock. <laughs> that doesn't mean I wouldn't declare victory at all. You know, I'm, uh, it's... Doesn't ever work, and I don't mean this. I think no. you're right when you make these calls on this show. A couple times I've noted, especially on a short term, we've had a move back up. I just think that the TBT, which is supposed to measure two times the long end of the bond market, right. is something that, that really over time, first of all, I think these, these levered ETFs tend to decay very quickly. definitely noise of them. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I guess, you know, I, I feel like a 10 or 15 basis point move in the 10-year, which is what I think you could get, is something that never really shows up in these things. Do you think they're worth I trading? think it would have to be more than a 10 basis point move in the 10-year. Yeah. I think that we got to get through, well, now we got to get through 240, but I think yeah. 250, we're going to get through 250 at some point. All right. Still ahead, Boeing is the best-performing Dow stock this year. The CEO just told Jim Cramer his plan to keep the momentum going. Jim will be here right after this break. Plus, 
It's Bitcoin Mania, and the CEO of one of the largest online brokerage firms will be here to explain how he is prepping to be the first major online broker to announce Bitcoin futures trading. And later, a number of Left for Dead stocks suddenly surging. But our traders say, buyer beware, we've got a special report. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Boeing is the best performing stock in the Dow this year. Our own Jim Cramer spoke to the CEO about how the company plans to keep the momentum going. Take a listen. You think about the, the pace of growth, you know, less than uh, less than 20 percent of the world's population has ever taken a single flight, believe it or not. This year alone, 100 million people in Asia will fly for the first time. So when you see traffic growing at 7 percent a year, it's going to outpace GDP. That's going to drive economic growth. You think about what that means to production of airplanes. This year, we're going to build about 750 commercial airplanes. By the end of the decade, we'll be well north of 900 airplanes a year. That's manufacturing jobs, right? That's economic growth. That's economic energy. Jim Cramer joins us now. Hey, Jim. Great interview, first of all. Uh, you're very kind. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, obviously, it sounds like he's got the wind at his back right now in terms of everything firing on all cylinders for demand. How about the tax plan? How could that help Boeing? Well, it's very interesting you ask about it because he's really one of the chief proselytizers. They already have a big dividend. They're already buying back a lot of stock. They could still do that. But he's saying, listen, we're going to put people to work. We're going to build things. We're going to innovate with it. This is our chance to really become an even better company. It's the kind of thing that you really want to hear rather than just say, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to get the money, we're going to give it to the shareholders, which wouldn't be bad. But it, it, we like stocks, but this man wants to put people to work and he wants the company to be great. And that's why I was so excited about the tax reform after, after listening to him. JC, great job. I heard you this morning talking about Boeing being a $400 stock. I'm, I'm, I'm in your camp, but do you think the fact that it's gone basically from 160 to 280 in six months for a company that size when you look at you say to yourself, it's just too much too fast, you got to take money off the table here? Look, a guy, you know, 100% if you've got, got the big 100% gain, but I'm you know, making an 18-month projection where you're just seeing that this is a company that deserves a higher price earnings multiple because it is no longer cyclical, because of, uh, of, what, of what Dennis said about the idea that the order book is very long. And I think too many of us still remember when Boeing was boom bust and it had three years good, then three lean years, and it's not the case anymore. So I think it deserves a higher price earnings multiple than it even has right now. We're going into year end, Jim. So would you rather, that's a game like we like to play here on Fast Money, would you rather keep money in Boeing or go for a laggard at this point? Uh, I would actually go for Boeing. I think Boeing's terrific, and I think a lot of people are going to want to show that they own one of the great industrials, and Boeing happens to fit that profile. Uh, look, people like to own winners, too, and I think the idea that the quarter, how's it going to be? I think it's going to be a great quarter, or he would not have been so effusive today. I got to ask you about Bitcoin. We um, put up a Bitcoin bug, which you could see. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely fun. <laughs> 1875 right now. Yeah. Um, and I heard that you actually named one of your dogs. Mr. Bitcoin? Yeah, well, I had to. I mean, you know, the other dog's named NVIDIA. Your dogs get jealous. There he is. Look, and I mean, you know, Ethereum's not pictured there. But I, I do think that people have to recognize that when you get this kind of fevered pitch, you have to have a little fun with it. And that the, the dog on the right, formerly named Bug, and then he answered to Chevron for a while, it beats the heck out of me, is now officially known as Bitcoin. A lot of that is because on Twitter, people think I don't know Bitcoin. I know Bitcoin. Uh, he's on the right. Bitcoin, Bitcoin brings you your slippers in the morning. Bitcoin, look, Bitcoin swallowed a shoelace last weekend. He was sick. But you know what? He came right back and hit 19,000 today. All right.
Jim, great to see you. Thanks so much, and we look forward to that interview. Love being on your show. You guys you can, are the best. You can catch the full interview with the CEO of Boeing tonight on Mad Money. That's at 6 p.m. You know Eastern. what's weird? I actually what's named weird? one of my dogs Kramer. <laughs> it, just, I mean, it just felt like the right thing to do. And I hope he didn't swallow a shoe. Yeah, no, he did not swallow a shoe. No. I wonder if NVIDIA feels bad now. Like, you oh, know, maybe. now big oh, yeah. oh, overshadowing. Right. Yeah. The new, the new dog in town. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, you should be naming your dogs Boeing because at the end of the day, who needs to own Bitcoin when you have Boeing? And, and what they reported in the third quarter was an upgrade in free cash flow, which is extraordinary because they've been wowing people all year with free cash flow. Now $12.5 billion for 2017. What Jim pointed out is very important. This is a company that's not necessarily looking to play, you know, capital markets games, but actually is reinvesting in a business that really is a long-term business. So um, it's very fairly valued at this point, but it's hard to bet against Boeing here. Class of the bunch. This is one of your uh, fast power pitches. Nice job, guys. Nice job. Fast we did a fast pitch too. Fast. I know I power pitched. So what? So you're asking me, what do you do now? What do you do now? I, I sort of took Jim down the primrose path of right. would you be taking profits? Would here? you and be taking profits? I don't think so. To Tim's no. point, I mean, I think it's fair valuation. Even if this tax bill goes through, Boeing's going to get a bump on that. Maybe some of this move is based on the fact that the market's anticipating it. I don't know, but they report, I think, on January 24th. And much like Jim Cramer, I think you got to be long the stock in earnings still. All right. Still ahead, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon speaking right now in New York City. Will he change his mind about Bitcoin? We'll bring you his comments as they break. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Please don't squeeze the new Charmin. And don't be tempted to buy a number of left-for-dead stocks that are suddenly surging because the traders say it's just a short squeeze. We'll give you the names. Plus, America has gone crazy for cryptocurrencies. And all next week, Fast Money is taking you inside the world of Bitcoin. How to buy it, how to sell it, how to be a crypto baller. The biggest names in the world of digital currency on Fast Money, all next week. Welcome back to Fast Money. The S&P breaking a four-day losing streak today and now up almost 2% in the last month. Now, during that time, something curious has been happening in the market. Investors are flocking to some of Wall Street's most hated stocks. Dom Chu's got more from the newsroom. Hey, Dom. Well, Melissa, is it so bad that it's actually good? That might be part of the story for why we're seeing such impressive moves for some stocks over recent weeks. And it has to do with all that negative sentiment and, yes, short interest. There are a host of stocks out there where traders will actually profit from a drop in prices. Among those stocks that have seen the bigger one-month moves coupled with high short interest, you got shares of athletic apparel company Under Armour, which has around 30% of its share float sold short, but has rallied around 12% in a month. You got rental car company Avis Budget, also around 30% short interest in its shares. It's rallied by 16% in that same time frame. Upper scale burger joint Shake Shack, 48% short interest. That stock's rallied 24% in a month. And then there's mid-scale retailer JCPenney with 52% short interest and a one-month rally of nearly 40%. Now, when it comes to high short interest stocks, a bigger question is how long a stock run-up can last if it isn't fundamentally driven by improvements in the business. So, Melissa, traders and investors will be looking for those signs that things are at least going on the right track before that real bull case can be made for outright owning the stock. Back over to you. All right, Dom, thank you. Of those stocks that mm. Dom showed us, which ones would you say uh, there will be a handoff of the baton, so to speak, 
between the short squeeze and a fundamental story? I think it's a chick shack. And, and, and it's ultimately because this is a company where the valuation was very difficult. The question was, are they going to do it outside of New York? Uh, it's very well run. We certainly had the CEO on the, on the show talking about the initiatives that I think they're actually getting done. So they're going to invest more in 2007, in 2018. But each new store is adding about 800 you know, million or so uh, to EBITDA um, and, and 850,000 EBITDA, which is very important for a company at this stage of their growth. So I think the valuation is rich, but this has gone from an underperformed to at least a neutral and a perform. And in fact, Morgan Stanley did that today. You have some experience uh, I with worked, Shake Shack. I mean, I worked yeah. at Shake All I know is this. And Tim Mendes, the CEO was here. He sat right next to Tim Seymour. Remember, I cooked, I remember. I cooked that chili you burger. You allegedly cooked I, the chili no, burger. No, no, not allegedly I don't know ending. If we you have it on celluloid, did. like that kink song. We <laughs> talked about it that night. The stock was trading $36. We said there is a lot of room to the upside based on all the improvements they were making. Look at their operating margins, for example, last quarter. Right. Margins are actually going up. They're running the business better. And they are expanding overseas. So Shake Shack's had a big move. I still think there's room to the upside, and analysts are behind the curve on this. Just one. quickly on the retailers, he mentioned JCPenney. We're seeing the same thing with Macy's, which is up about 43% over the past month. Yes, although I really wouldn't own a stock just because you think the short part is over. Right. You're talking about the transition. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Under Armour might be sort of interesting. I don't know, but of all of them, Shake Shack, I think, is... The one to own. All right. Still ahead, the countdown to Bitcoin futures is on. And our resident crypto baller, BK, Brian Kelly over here, will break down three simple steps to shorting the digital currency when they launch on Sunday. The futures, that is. You won't want to miss it. Plus, Jamie Dimon speaking right now in New York City. CNBC's Wilfred Foss is there. And, Wilf, what's with all the protests? Well, Melissa, we're going to come to that. Some protests uh, took place uh, very briefly during his presentation. Also, some comments on the state of the U.S. and global economy, what he wants his J.P. Morgan legacy to be, and some very strong words of advice for his daughters, given sexual harassment taking place in the workplace. All of that coming up when Fast Money returns. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. The boom is happening as exchanges and online brokers brace for the futures to hit the market. Our Bob Bassani is at the NYSE breaking it all down. Hi, Bob. Hello, Melissa. As Bitcoin keeps rocketing up, interest in trading Bitcoin futures is also on the rise. Now, the CBO will start trading futures Sunday night, the CME on December 18th, NASDAQ sometime in the first half of next year. Right now, the CBOE, the CBO, and the CME will have margin rates of 30 and 35 percent, respectively. Both the CME and CBO will also have trading limits to reduce volatility. Not surprisingly, retail brokers do not have a uniform stance on whether they will allow their clients to trade Bitcoin futures, at least not yet. Fidelity, for example, is not currently planning to allow members to trade futures contracts. Interactive brokers will allow trading, but with a much higher 50% margin requirements. Charles Schwab says it's evaluating its clients' interest in Bitcoin, including their awareness of the risk. No decision yet. TD Ameritrade said they will only allow trading once the volumes, the open interest, and the marketplace meet their threshold. No word then on when they'll be trading. With Bitcoin moving from $10,000 to almost $16,000 in less than a week, it's no surprise that people like Bill Gross are advising investors to steer clear of it. I wouldn't buy it here uh, until the lava cools, I guess, until volatility comes down and becomes clear that governments are not going to regulate it. He's not the only one worried about volatility. This morning, the head of the Futures Industry Association sent a letter to the chairman of the CFTC laying out their members' concerns. They say more discussions are needed between the regulators, the exchanges, the clearinghouses, and the clearing firms 
about what the right margin levels and trading limits should be, among other things. The letter implied the margins should be higher. The clearing firms are especially concerned because they may be on the hook should there be a substantial drop in Bitcoin prices and the margin accounts are unable to cover those losses. Goldman Sachs has confirmed to CNBC that they will be clearing Bitcoin futures for at least some of their clients. So they have also said they have not made a decision on whether they will be market makers yet. Bottom line, with Bitcoin blowing up and a futures business about to launch, interest in Bitcoin is hitting a fever pitch. Back to you, Melissa. All right. Thank you very much, Bob Bissani. I mean, in terms of some of the concerns of the Futures Industry Association, uh, it's it's one of them is that the underlying product, Bitcoin itself, could move move tremendously, could move, let's That's say, over the weekend and in a period where futures aren't even traded. We've seen just in the past 40 hours or so a move of about 40 percent. So it could very well happen where it exceeds it, the limits. It absolutely could. And, and it's not just on the short side, too. I mean, if you get caught long and it's limit down, then you don't necessarily have anywhere to go as well. So, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a learning process. It's going to be slow. Most of the futures merchants and futures commissions merchants are taking it slow, a wait-and-see approach. And I think that's probably right. We'll see how much, vol how much uh, volume is out there when come Sunday night and into Monday and then when the CME gets on. But again, you know, this, is, this is the deep end of the pool in investing. And particularly, you know, when something, when any asset goes straight up, you need to be aware that trees don't grow to the sky. I love Bitcoin, but, you know, just be aware of what's going on. All right. Well, as Bob had mentioned, Interactive Brokers is one of the largest online brokers that will offer its customers futures trading in Bitcoin. Now, the CEO, Thomas Petterfee, warned on this show uh, a couple weeks back that Bitcoin should not clear with other products in the same trading house. He even took out this full page ad in The Wall Street Journal blasting the cryptocurrency and the CME specifically for its move to list Bitcoin futures. He even went on as far as to say it could bring down the entire economy, but they will be the first to offer online trading come next week. Let's welcome back Thomas Petterfee, also known as a father of high-speed trading on the fast line. Thomas, great to have you back. Thank you. Um, you're worried about a systemic risk for Bitcoin. You see Bitcoin possibly going to what? Zero dollars, and yet you are allowing customers to trade the futures come Monday? Absolutely. So Why? some of our clients have asked us to enable them to trade come Monday morning, and we will do that. We will offer trading, clearing, and custody of Bitcoin futures starting this Monday. However, we will not allow shorting. We will allow trading from the long side only, and we'll charge 50% margin. Okay, so you cannot uh, short why, why only allow being positioned long in the futures as opposed to being able to short Bitcoin effectively? Because assume Bitcoin, say, it is $16,000 right now. You charge 50% margin. The next day, the market goes to over $24,000, which is the 50%. It gets locked in because there is a limit. It cannot go any further. We try to call our customers for margin. They don't have the money. We have to buy them in. We cannot buy them in because then there is no trading. The market is locked limit up. There are no sellers, and God knows what happens next. So as a result, I think that a number of smaller brokerage firms will go bankrupt. Hey, and that will destabilize the clearinghouse. And I think that the clearinghouse, in a great hurry, should begin working on putting Bitcoin in a separate legal entity. Mr. Otherwise, Petterfee, the Fed will have 
It, this is Brian Kelly. So I'm curious. It sounds to me like the issue here, and I can't disagree with you, is the is the limits, the trading limits, or or when it stops trading. If they were to change the contract and just say, you know what, this is going to trade. There's not going to be a lock limit up or lock limit down. Would that change your mind, and would you think then that it's not going to be a systemic risk? Well, I don't know. It, it, it's certainly going to be easier, but there is still who are the natural sellers of this product? Only the people who have Bitcoin. There aren't so many, there is not so much Bitcoin around. So if, if people come in en masse or buying, you know, there won't be enough Bitcoin, there won't be enough sellers there. So why not so, allow short know, selling as then? As I'm concerned, this, this, this price could go anywhere on the short run. On the long run, I'm pretty sure it will be zero. You'll, you'll, so, it'll be zero. So, so, Thomas, come Sunday night, Monday morning, what are your expectations in terms of volume and how, how orderly this trade will be? Well, I, I do not know how many brokers there will be who are ready to offer this. Uh, if there are lots of brokers and there are brokers who are allowing shorts, there will be quite a bit of trading. If there are no brokers who allow sellers, then there will be very little trading. I'm just curious, Thomas, in terms of your decision to uh, actually allow your customers to trade Bitcoin futures, what are you charging them? I mean, <laughs> you know, when you talk to a lot of people regarding the CBOE and then the CME and then the Nasdaq's launch into Bitcoin futures, you know, they make the point that volatility has been low pretty much. Trading, you know, they're, they're basically going to make more because they're going to offer another product out there. Is that the way you look at it in terms of why you are offering customers the ability to trade futures? So we, we usually charge between 25 cents and 80 cents a futures contract. Bitcoin is a very risky product. So we are going to start with $5 per futures contract. So it's a multiple. Uh, yeah, you want to get paid for the risk. All right. Um, Thomas, do you trade Bitcoin yourself? Do you own Bitcoin? No, I do. No, I don't. You don't. You're, I mean, you're a trader yourself. Are you curious about it? Or, I mean, what's your, what's your take on, on, this, on this asset? I'm extremely curious. This, this is, a, this is a, an amazing thing. It, 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 how, how silly people are is just amazing. To me. <laughs> With a nice snicker. Yeah. How, how big do you think this could be for interactive brokers on the revenue side of things? Oh, well, uh, I, I, you know, I... I wouldn't even dare to guess. Uh, but I think that if, if you think about it, if, if, if this bubble keeps on continuing, uh, I think that, you know, I, I thought about it, and I think that the price could go well over $100,000 a coin before it crashes to nothing. Before it crashes to nothing. All right, so there's a long, there's a long way in, in what you're calling uh, this bubble here for, for Bitcoin. That's right. Uh, Mr. Pettifee, it's Karen. One more question. Your stock it seems yeah. to be, since you last came on the show, now a little bit of a proxy for Bitcoin. How do you feel about that, given your, your thoughts about the well, underlying I Bitcoin? I do not like that association. <laughs> I don't want this stock to go to nothing in five years. No. <laughs> no, the, the, the stock is doing well because we are growing extremely fast. And, and in terms of your, your forecast for Bitcoin going to zero, Thomas, what's the time frame on that? Do you have any idea? I mean, five years. Five years. All right, so you got five years to make money off this thing at Interactive Brokers, and then after that, it's game over. Right.
<laughs> All right. Thomas, thanks a lot for phoning in. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thomas Petterfee, the Interactive Brokers CEO. Very well, upfront about everything. So, you know, I mean, I, I actually appreciate the candor. I mean, this yeah. is a man who's standing in there. He's making markets because that's what his firm does. Right. And they've benefited on it. And, and, I, and I go back to, in the gold rush, wouldn't you rather be the guy selling picks and shovels to the miners rather than actually mining for gold? Absolutely. That's what's going on here. And as Karen rightly pointed out, these guys have gone up 55% since July. Um, what's also interesting is I, I, I asked Brian this. I mean, don't you want to get a sniff of what the next, uh, I, the next token that's going to be traded yeah. on futures? Because that's the one that's going higher. Because over the last five or six days, everything right. else has gone down. This right. has been a Bitcoin rally, and it has sure. almost seemed like a zero-sum game in that market. Can I just, you know, as we as we gaze as just, the, <laughs> at, at the Bitcoin bug there in the corner, it's yeah. $17,000. It is staggering to think that he is saying that within five years, it will go up to $100,000, in which case we'd have to enlarge mm -hmm. that bug because there's not enough space there. The and then yeah, there you go. Zero. Look at you. But, it's but here's the thing. Wow. It started at zero nine years ago. So, okay, so it goes back. To zero but in you five think years. that people go back in after they've uh, so, had so the roller coaster ride? So let's let's. I think it's really important though to separate Bitcoin from digital currencies as an asset class. I have no idea if Bitcoin's going to be that one that wins. Right. Remember, MySpace was around a long time before Facebook came along, and they were effectively the same product. So digital currencies are here to stay. Digital assets are here to stay. Tokens on top of a blockchain are here to stay. Bitcoin could who's go to the zero next, five years. Who's I don't know. the next one to Ethereum. trade on futures? Ethereum. And so isn't That's that next. the one to buy right now? Can you get me on yes. the camera, please? I want to cradle the Bitcoin chart. That's cool. <laughs> Somebody, That's really... I mean, Hold I mean, on, there you go. No. Well, no, but... It, That's not quite right. Pat it, pat it. Lean on it. All right, anyway. It's better when it's right. Hi, there you go. Oh, yeah. Uh, but no, but just quickly, just to button this point up. <laughs> um, do you buy? Do you buy the next currency that could have yes. a futures contract, right? Of course you do. On top of it, I do. I mean, listen. I think all of the. I think you have four hundred billion dollars in network value that's been created out of nothing. This is a new asset class. If 1% of the financial assets move to this place, you're talking a trillion-dollar market cap. That's two and a half times from here. Yes, I am buy the entire space. There's no better investment out there. One last quick question. We played a game yesterday. Love games. Bitcoin stock or not? I'm going to ask you that, RE, Interactive Brokers. Well, right now, is it a Bitcoin stock or we not? We don't have the graphics ready, but it, uh, yes, right, it yeah. is. And I know he, okay, Mr. Pedafi just said they're growing in great growth. And yes, their darts were very good last month, but stock went from 43 to 60 in two weeks. That's more than just great growth. That's people anticipating. It did nothing in two years. Thank you. Exactly. Did nothing right. in two years. So it is a Bitcoin stock. Ding, 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 ding. The ding. Ring the bell. Another right. place Bitcoin's ding, created ding. value. Coming up. Emerging markets have gone from hot to not, but one trader says now is the perfect time to buy. We'll find out what has them so bullish, plus financials on fire. And top technician Rich Ross has three stocks you can buy right now to get in on this rally. He'll give us the names when Fast Money returns. Fast Money, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon speaking just moments ago at the Wells Fargo Thought Leadership Conference. Wilfred Frost is on site at the Plaza Hotel in New York City with all the details. Hi, Wilfred. Hey, Melissa. Yes, indeed. Jamie Dimon was upbeat about the state of both the U.S. and global economy, saying there was slack remaining in both. And here in the U.S., that credit was not a concern. Indeed, mortgages, he says, are more pristine than ever since 2009. Credit cards, the only area perhaps uh, looking to have a little bit of concern. But this was uh, a broader legacy-type conversation uh, as opposed to a quarterly earnings focus uh, going from all topics, including the issue of sexual harassment in the workplace. He was asked 
What advice in light of that that he gives to his daughters? And it was a very firm response. He said, be prepared, be willing to fight back. And he went on to say, what kills me about some of these stories, by the way, are these men, not only do they get away with this all along, but there are a lot of men in this room. If we found out they did this to our wife or our daughter, I'm not sure that guy would still be alive. Literally, I'm shocked there hasn't been murders over this type of thing. And I also think that they prey on the young. Off the back of that, he was asked, is he, he's a feminist. He said, yes, if it means standing up for women's rights. But ultimately, he said he is a peopleist, a humanist uh, more broadly. Now, in terms of what he wants his legacy at JP Morgan to be, he says he wants the company to be able to grow uh, and feed on itself for the next 100 years. The uh, presentation was briefly interrupted by protesters about 20, 30, 20 to 30 young protesters. The main message on their placards was for corporate change and climate change, but it was uh, short-lived and didn't disrupt the presentation overall. Guys? All right. Wilford, thank you. Wilford Frost um, joining us. Let's point Manhattan. something out quickly. Sure. I know we're going to talk about JP Morgan. We love wealth. I love, I yeah. love wealth. Yes, we love I've said that. Who I don't think love love well. It's yeah. probably gone. But freezing cold outside, number one. He's been standing out Are there. See that? There he is. He's been standing out there for half an hour. And the guy does worldwide exchange at 5 a.m. I know. It's 5.46 p.m. now. I yeah. know. In 12 Stunned. hours, he'll be on TV yeah. again. But today, I did it, but today I did it with, with Mr. Kelly. So, That's you know, true. I, we I had a little special Bitcoin moment this morning. It was very nice. Thank you for having me on. You're having another one now. No. Well, you look perkier than Brian does, Wilf. <laughs> That's true. Not for All right. Wilf, thank you. We'll see you on Worldwide Exchange tomorrow at 5 a.m. All right. Let's trade now J.P. Morgan and the banks. And I go uh, to Karen. Now. Yes. Well, I am long the bank, so I've taken mm -hmm. some money off the table recently because I feel like, you know, so many good things were priced into it. A lot of will happen. A lot of that, including tax, I think will happen. But it's not 100% sure. So it just seemed like it was reasonable to take some money off the table. All right. Well, our next guest says there are three banks you can buy right now, right now to get in on the rally. So let's go to the charts, off the charts, with Rich Ross of Evercore ISI. Rich. Melissa Lee, we are buying banks absolutely and relatively. Let's go to the charts and break it down. We'll start with the benchmark, the BKX. So what do we see here? Banks did a whole lot of nothing for most of the year coming out of the election. And you can see this very well-defined trading range, okay? What happens in technical analysis is that when stocks or indices do nothing for a very long period of time, the moves coming out of those patterns tend to peak quite sharp. And I think that's what we're staring at right now. So we've broken out, we've consolidated, and we move higher. Let me give you three great ways to play it. We're going to start globally and work our way back locally. Citigroup. The big guy here, okay? Stock's up 26% year-to-date. This is one of the best-performing stocks in the sector we want to keep buying. So we see this well-defined trend, got this beautiful textbook counter-trend, and importantly, we make a higher low there. We hold that 50-day moving average, and that's going to set us coming out. You want to be a buyer of Citigroup, okay? Now we get a little closer to home here, right up the street. Morgan Stanley, not to be confused with Stanley Morgan of the Patriots. We see a very long-term chart of Morgan Stanley here, 17 years, okay? This doesn't happen very often when you see this beautiful breakout of that 17-year downtrend, sort of this big wedge or ascending triangle, if you will. You want to be a buyer of that every day of the week, Morgan Stanley. And finally, we're going to finish up. We'll stick with the football theme here, PNC sort of your Pittsburgh-based super regional, if you will. Once again, a very long-term chart here. And you can see this massive base of support here, okay? We took out this high, sort of Bill Cower was the coach back there. You got your big chin in here, and boom, you move into the mustache. And what happens? You're off to the races here. So here's three great ways to play it. You've got Citigroup, the big global giant. You've got Morgan Stanley, the big Wall Street giant, and, of course, the super regional in PNC Financial. You're buying the banks.
Let's bring Rich over, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. come on over, Rich. Drop Ariel will bring the chair in. Thank you, Ariel. Mel, have you ever heard of Stanley Morgan? No, so I was thinking I would not get confused <laughs> with Stanley Morgan since I don't know who Stanley Morgan is. University of Tennessee, you're a volunteer? Mm. Yes. Yeah, just anyway, sorry about that. That's good info. Interesting. Uh, that's what we do on this show. So if there is a rotation into financials, is there a rotation out of something else in your view? Well, look, we talk about this a lot on this show, and you saw a little bit of that earlier this week, last month, vis-a-vis -vis the weakness in tech and growth. But I think there's room for both to work higher here. I think the rotation is just done by machines. I don't speak to anyone that says, you know what, let me sell a little Facebook and go buy, and buy some Citigroup. These are banks, and these are big machines that are doing these trades. They're not part of the, a bigger theme here. So I think that banks can move higher, and you want to buy these tech stocks on these big pullbacks. So you can buy both. Can buy both. Right. What, what does the yield curve look like? The yield curve. Looks and is like that important? Is because I think that there's a debate. People are saying buy banks, but we're seeing a flattening of the yield curve until maybe today when we saw a spike in ten-year yield. Well, I, so I, can you have it both ways? Yeah, yes, and the banks have shown that you can have it this way. You look at a stock like Citigroup; it's up 26 percent. The 210 spread looks like Bitcoin flipped upside down, which would not be a good thing because we all know what that chart looks like. Look, right now banks are focusing on the short end of the curve, which is on fire. It continues to boom higher, yeah. but over time, that you know, you start to get negative. We're going to have some issues, and the closer you get, the more people are going to be talking about it. I think in the short term, you're probably a little bit exhausted to the downside. You saw a little bit of steepening today on the 210 spread. We've got tax reform. We've got deregulation. You've got a potential rate hike in December. These are going to put upward pressure on that 10-year. And this flattening that we've seen, that we've all been talking about ad nauseum for quite some time, is going to start to move gently in the other direction. So there is room. The banks have showed you that. Rich Ross, quickly, Goldman Sachs traded up to 254 the other day, seemingly failed. Merrill Lynch just upgraded today. I think they put it on one of their lists, conviction, whatever list they have. Everybody has a list. Would you rather buy Goldman on a breakout above that old double top, or do you think you're okay buying it right here, understanding we're splitting hairs somewhat? No, no, no. You, you have to wait on a stock like Goldman Sachs. Keep in mind, up just a little bit over 3% year-to-date. Morgan Stanley up 23%. So what you've seen at Goldman, that, that a little recent resurgence over the last week, I think the upgrade puts the cherry on that little rally here. We've seen the big losers have been the big winners over the past week. That trade is over. You want to buy strength, not weakness here. Don't buy Goldman into resistance at 255. Don't buy Wells Fargo into resistance at 60. Buy the breakouts in City, buy the breakouts in J.P. Morgan, B of A. You know the names. Who's got the most momentum? And say hi to Bitcoin right next to you. Pat him on the... On the <laughs> right there. Right over there. On that, there. There you go. The, the most momentum yeah. within the banks themselves? Yeah. Look, I think the regionals are on the come. All right. Rich, great. Thank you. Rich Ross, Evercore ISI. Breaking news now. Let's get to John Harwood in D.C. John. Melissa, the Senate is right now in the process of passing a temporary extension of government funding. That means there will not be a shutdown tomorrow when that funding was supposed to run out. Uh, the current fu short-term funding extension goes to December 22nd. The Senate is well over the 50 votes needed to pass that. Some senators are still voting. Uh, what this means is that the disputes over the DREAMers, over defense and domestic spending levels, uh, on issues like community health centers, all of those are going to be kicked until December 22nd. Uh, I think the odds are still that there won't be a shutdown, but that's where the uncertainty now lies just before Christmas, guys. All right, John, thank you. John Harwood out of D.C. Obviously, some uh, technical Can we glitches take up the there harp at the again? breaking news. Can we yeah. take up the harp and all that stuff at the start of the show, the heavenly? Well, we also lost down. the Bitcoin right? ticket. No shutdown. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, again. You, you, or at least the can is kicked down. I don't think people seconds. were that concerned about this event, uh, at least for now. I think we expected this. If anything, around Christmas is when you worry about it. But, but it's one more example how, uh, you know, clearly some of these events, we're looking for events. I think there are real ones out there, but this was not one of them. Yeah. What do you think? 
I think we lost the Bitcoin ticker. That's really all I was concerned about. Is I see Tim with the Bitcoin ticker. I know. I think this is, an, but for the I markets. I stole it. It's very <laughs> valuable. It is. I think this is a non-event for the markets. I think most people were expecting this can to get kicked down the road precisely. We'll see what happens uh, at the end of December. But even then, I think there's a little bit of wiggle room. Still ahead, suddenly emerging markets have gone from hot to not, but are any of our traders buying the dip? We'll find out when Fast Money returns. Welcome back. Emerging markets have gone from hot to not, and Mike Coe's at the plasma to break it down. Mike. Yeah, hi there. We saw a really big trade today. Actually, we saw somebody selling 64,500 of the 39 strike puts, buying 64,500 of the 46 strike puts, and then selling 64,500 of the 48 strike puts. Basically, they're willing to get long a quarter of a billion dollars worth of EEM down at 39 and making a bullish bet that it could be higher. Thanks, Mike. Up next, final trades. Tim. Like that options trade, get back into emerging markets and trade it right here. Karen? I think inflation is coming. TBT. BK. Right. Well, if that's the case, you can have higher rates and a higher U.S. dollar UUP. You buy it. Oh, I like how you did that. The Freeport Mac Moran. That was a tell there, uh, Melissa. All right. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Bad Money with the only uh, one and only Jim Cramer begins right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.